Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from 1 Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1 to 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly. But then we will see face to face. Now, I know only in part. Then I will fully know. Even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. And the greatest of these is love. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 13, verses 33 to 35. Little children, 
I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where am I going? You cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thank you, Gloria. Shall we pray together? Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity in you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bob Jackson, who many of you have have met, is the Church of England's, if you like, leading expert on, on church growth. And in his most recent book, he wrote this. You can grow the church without a lot of the factors that he would mention in his book, but you, as long as you have love. But you can't grow the church without love. Spiritual actions without love are meaningless. Or as St. Paul said, using the, the message transliteration, if I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. As we come to the end of this series on God's vision for his church, we conclude by reminding ourselves that God's vision for his church is that we should always be a people who choose love. So how are we doing? How do we measure love? You see, we often hear, don't we, of, of Jesus' so-called golden rule as described in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. I'm sure we all know it, don't we? In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Here is Jesus, if you like, summing up the 613 Hebrew laws that we'd find written in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And he was just putting it in one simple, universal maxim. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, many of us will know that this so-called golden rule, it's not unique 
Is it to Christianity? We'd find a similar rule in other monotheistic religions like Judaism and Islam. We'd find a similar rule in other world religions and as well in the non-religious literature as well, dating right the way back to Confucius two and a half thousand years ago. But what we see this morning is where, if you like, Jesus calls his followers to raise the bar. Here's where, if you like, Christianity differs from every other belief system out there. Here's where you know when someone says, or to quote it in Jesus speak, if you like, from another part of the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it was said. And then what follows are these words, all religions are the same. Here's why you then really know that they don't know what they're talking about. Because Jesus would then say, but I say to you. And he would then mention what, in the words of Andy Stanley, is Christianity's platinum rule. It's the rule, if you like, which separates Christianity from every other belief system out there. But first, what Jesus does as we enter John's gospel is he begins by announcing he's leaving. On the night of his arrest, he says, Little children, I am with you only a little longer. Where I'm going... You cannot come. We can kind of imagine how that would have went down with the disciples, can't we? The temperature around the room suddenly rising with tension and uncertainty, just like if someone we knew who was special said to us that they were leaving. And so with nerves now on edge and having definitely got their attention, Jesus continues by saying, I give you a new commandment Jesus isn't adding to the 613 Hebrew laws that he would have already reduced down to two what he was doing was something far more revolutionary he was replacing them and what came next trumped the golden rule with the platinum rule it's this new commandment to love just as I have loved you you also should love one another. For those men seated around that table, this was very personal. What were they thinking of as as Jesus said those words, just as I have loved you? You see, we might immediately think in our 21st century lens, well, they're thinking of the cross. The disciples weren't thinking of the cross. This was before the cross and they never foresaw the cross. So what were they thinking of in that moment as Jesus says, just as I have loved you? Were they not thinking of those moments, these past three years that they had together when they would have particularly felt his love? Perhaps the one-on-one conversations as they walked along the road. Maybe that special look of love that they saw in him as he spoke to them. Maybe it was the moments when Jesus had stuck his neck out for them. Or maybe sometimes it might have just been those scolding words of love. And little did they know, while those words were fresh in their minds, Jesus would give them a demonstration of love that would take their breath away as he gave his life away. Jesus continues, by this, 
by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. The linguists among us will know that this is a demonstrative pronoun. It points to something specific. Here it's singular. If you like, just in this moment, Jesus pointed to the specific thing that would be the identifying characteristic of his followers. The way they loved. The way we love. If you like, this was the defining characteristic of his new movement, the church, the ecclesia. This is the, if you like, the mark par excellence of being an apprentice of Jesus Christ. It's seen as we look around this room now and how we love our fellow church member. This is the mark that shows to the world that we're his disciples. This is the mark, if you like, in Jesus' own words, which will make disciples because love is a verb. It's something we do. And a few hours later, those men gathered around the table saw in horrific detail what love looked like. And by Jesus' own example, he inspired those men to change the world. You see, authentic Jesus followers love by looking around and by putting the person next to them, in front of them. And as with those disciples in that room, so now with us. Jesus doesn't use his authority as leverage over us. Doesn't play the God card as leverage over us. Jesus uses his example as leverage over us and the way he loved. It was his sacrifice as he hung on a Roman cross which compelled his disciples to take up their own cross and follow him. They were to do to others as Jesus had already done and was about to do to them. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And so as we move on, what we find, if you like, after the Gospels is the New Testament writers never added to Jesus' new command to love. They simply applied it. Most famously of all in this passage from 1 Corinthians 13, which describes how Jesus' followers to live out his command to love one another as he has loved us. So how are we doing? How do we measure love? Is it not by answering this question posed by Andy Stanley? What does love require of me? See, before I go on, please don't misunderstand me and think this is some soft touch approach. Oh, well, it's all about love that many think of today as to what love means. What does love require of me? It's a question, doesn't it, which offers no guarantee of success. It's certainly not going to be a quick fix solution or a quick return on an investment. But this is how we live out Jesus' words. If you think about it, it helps us with every relationship difficulty. What does love require of me? 
It guides us when we're not sure what God's will might be. What does love require of me? It challenges us when we're not sure of what to believe. What does love require of me? It exposes hypocrisy, stands as judge and jury. It's so simple, isn't it? And yet so inescapably demanding. When unsure of what to say or do, ask what love requires of you. You see, love requires patience, doesn't it? To walk at someone else's pace, not our own. So when we might get frustrated with all that we're living with or with, as people have sometimes expressed to me, ropes around a church building or certainly at the later service, having to sit in a side pew. The help of members of our church community. Believe me, they do. Love requires kindness to help when someone can't do it for themselves. So when members of our church community find it difficult to come back to church, having been away for so long, we make the first step for how we can help. You know, that's a huge issue. You know what statistic gets quoted to me every week? If you get 65% of what you were getting pre-COVID, you're bucking the trend. Love requires kindness. Love requires us to keep envy or boasting or arrogance from celebrating the success of others. Love requires us to show honour to others and not be rude. You know, especially towards, I don't know, it's interesting, isn't it, when someone describes themselves as an anti-vaxxer, doesn't it? To what your reaction will be. Love requires selflessness rather than insisting on our own way. Love requires us to address our irritability and not be easily angered. You know, in these COVID times, it's so easy to become irritable, isn't it? Or maybe it's just me. Love requires us to forgive and not be resentful. Or if you like, keep a scorecard of others' mess-ups. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, when you read all of these verbs describing love, they're all in the present continuous tense, aren't they? If you like denoting actions and attitudes which have become habitual for us, ingrained gradually by some constant repetition, day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. Because that's how love works. See, love never ends. What that means is it never folds or collapses under pressure of the most intense and sustained kind. It's the love which continues through death to eternity. The love of God. The love Jesus' disciples saw in his actions as he loved them. And the love Jesus said to them to show to one another. And the love by which the world would see what it means to be a disciple. When unsure of what to say or do, ask what love requires of you. You see, as St. Paul goes on to say, there will be moments 
when we're unsure of what to say or do. There will be moments when we'll make the wrong move, no matter how we try, because hard we try, because as St. Paul said, for we know only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial comes to an end. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will fully know, even as I have been fully known. We know what we know, but we don't know everything. We see what we see, but we can't see everything. Once we've learned everything, there will be always more to learn. Yet despite our, if you like, limited knowledge, insight and experience, one thing transcends. It's why we choose love. And our ignorance does not impede our capacity to put others first. It's why when in the midst of a global pandemic and not being sure of what to do, the early church chose love and lived out literally Jesus' new commandment and went where no one else would go to care for the sick. And it rang out as a sweet tune as the early church father Tertullian wrote that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. It's why over the years the church has chosen love in providing a health care before there was an NHS, in providing education before it became universal for all children. It's why it were led on prison reform and the abolishing of slavery. It's why today the church still chooses love and supports more young people than anyone. It's the biggest provider of food banks as well as the most effective debt counselling service, to mention just three. It's why in the midst of today's global pandemic, the church has always chosen love in campaigning for the most vulnerable, in providing emergency food banks. I think the figure is now in the UK, seven and a half million crisis meals, as well as other things as well. Not to mention seeing those great cathedrals and other buildings used as vaccination centres. As Victor Hugo once said, to love one another is to see the face of God. Love fills the gaps and now faith, hope and love abide. These three. And why the greatest of these is love. Shall we pray? So loving Heavenly Father, in this moment now, would you just speak to us? Not just of your love for us, May we be reminded of that. But also then, by your example, to show how we should show that love to others. And may those words act like a sweet refrain 
in the days of our lives, we pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.